welcome to High Energy Health, where together we explore the leading edge of wellness and happiness. I'm your host, Dawson Church. By choosing this time together, you're declaring your commitment to a positive mindset, elevated emotions, and a great life. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Hello and welcome to High Energy Health. I am your host, Dawson Church, and I love doing this. Every week, I get to read amazing books. I get to connect with amazing people. I get to share with other amazing people. That is you. And by tuning into High Energy Health, you are making this big commitment to your health, your well-being, your happiness, and leveling up your life with these great ideas. I was uh, talking to a friend of mine recently, and he was just commenting that he was saying to me, Dawson, we have all these wonderful approaches now. Meditation's widespread. We have all these body-based therapies like EMDR and EFT and somatic experiencing and yoga therapy. We can now get into our bodies, get at the level of our minds. We learn emotional literacy in school. And he was saying, you know, for my father and my mother, that just wasn't true. They just didn't know how to deal with their feelings. They had no words for them. They weren't taught to express them or to even really have any kind of facility for being with them. And he said, we have all these tools now for healing. And I'm so glad I'm living in this age in history when we have these ways mm. of working things out. So as we look at what we're doing course of the next hour, as we listen to all of the wonderful guests on High Energy Health, we had that chance to take advantage of all these breakthroughs that we didn't have a generation ago. And I'm so grateful that you are making this commitment to your own well-being by joining us here on High Energy Health each week. I would make it a habit to be here. Just make it part of your regular routine. Tune into the podcast every week, tune into the show, and make it part of what you do for your own spiritual and psychological well-being. Because you're worth it. And there's so much random stuff out there. Like I look at Google News every once in a while and see all these stories from different news sources. And, you know, they're interesting, but they're also not all that nourishing. And I have to admit that a few days ago, I found myself looking at some sequence of photographs online. And I realized I had fallen victim for to clickbait. I was just clicking at all of these. Oh, I know what it was. It was a, a website that said, if you can name these 10 historical figures, you have an IQ of over 140. It's like, wow, if I name these 10 historical figures, so I began to click through them. I suddenly realized that somebody else had hijacked my time and attention. And I realized I needed to just close that window right that very moment. So I did. But, you know, there are so many other invitations out there to go do things on other people's terms, on other, in other people's sites, and go and explore various rabbit holes. Explore the rabbit hole of you. Explore the rabbit hole of your own consciousness, your own well-being. And make high energy health and make all of the other resources available to you part of your lifestyle. By all means, go read the news every once in a while. Don't get immersed in it. Don't go down those rabbit holes. Make your life the direction of your own choosing. And by tuning into our show and joining us every week, you are making this profound commitment to your own well-being. And I encourage you to make it part of your everyday routine, of your regular self-care routine. So listen to the show, listen to positive music, listen to positive speakers and go to positive events. Really immerse yourself in that. And the more chaotic the world becomes, 
the more need there is to counterbalance that with those positive inputs, of which this is one. So I'm glad you're here. I love sharing with you. As you can tell, I'm wildly enthusiastic about our wonderful guests and their ideas. And also, make sure you listen with some sort of recording opportunity at hand. Be making notes about what our guests are sharing with you. Make notes on your device. Make notes on a pad of paper. Just make notes, get ideas, and then turn it into an action plan. I will do this. I will apply this in my life. And by using these techniques, you then be, become more effective at each little component of your life as we bring you those opportunities here on the show to sharpen your skills, to sharpen your understanding, and to apply these things to your life. So I'm glad I'm here. Don't just be inspired. Be inspired to action. And go ahead and implement what you learn here on the show in your life. My guest today is Linda Yael Schiller. She is a therapist and she describes herself as a spiritual psychotherapist. <laughs> I love those two words in combination. <laughs> a consultant, author, and teacher. She facilitates group dream circles. She provides individual group and corporate consultation and trains professionals on working with dreams. And dreams are a powerful window to our unconscious and subconscious processes. And we'll learn a lot about them in the next little while with Linda. She also has designed several innovative methods for dream work, and she integrates various psychotherapy techniques like the Enneagram, like energy psychology, like EMDR, like EFT tapping, and as well as her professional work with dreams, she's been involved in her own dream-sharing group for more than 30 years. Welcome, Linda. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Oh, good to have you here. And so your book is called PTSD Dreams, all one word, PTSD Dreams. It's a powerful guide to looking at those dreams that might otherwise really terrify us, baffle us, mm -hmm. and using them as a avenue of personal growth. I'm so glad you've done this work. I'm so glad that you have, have written this book. And before we dive into the book, I wanted to ask you, that group you've been a part of for 30 years, that's a really... Mm. <laughs> Long, long-term commitment. How did you get into that? So at, at this point in time, I guess when I wrote that, it was 30 years. Now it's actually pushing 40. The way I got into it was a friend invited me. And my dear friend Eve moved up from New York City to the Boston area, which is where I live. And she said, I'm really done with living in New York. It's too much city for me. I don't really miss anything except my dream circle. And she said, I'm going to start one in Boston. Will you be in my dream circle? And I said, yes. And then I said, and what's a dream circle? <laughs> so somehow I knew, right, to say yes, even though I wasn't exactly sure what it was. And that was the stepping stone for what's become my life's work, part of my life's work. And so when you did that, did mm. you have any immediate epiphanies or immediate realizations as you began to really consciously work with your dreams? Well, in the beginning, we were all neophytes. And I was already a psychotherapist. And um, I'm trying to think of anyone else in the group. Was, and I think I was the only psychotherapist in the group. Oh, no, there was one other. But we were all sort of in the helping professions, you know, one way, shape or form. But we hadn't really done much with dream work. So we all set out to learn. And we read a lot of books. And we went to workshops. And we went to trainings. And we kind of learned as, as we went. And the beautiful thing about doing dream work is you don't have to be a professional to do it. You have to have a gift of association, right? Because doing dream work is about association. And what we quickly learned from one of our teachers, Jeremy Taylor, is that the only person who's in charge of telling you what your dream means is you, you yourself. So I might have ideas, I might have thoughts, I might have associations, but I'm not here to interpret your dream. I don't even use that word, interpret. We talk about dream work, 
but I help guide you. And then you can do this with yourself and with friends and colleagues and peers. And, and we'll talk later about if, if you have a trauma history, when it's time to look at a professional as well. But to ask questions about a dream. And as you work with the dream material, you peel it like you peel an onion and you find the multiple layers of meaning. So over the, the many years I've worked both with my own dreams and with my friends and with my clients, there have been a lot of epiphanies, both personally and uh, for other people. Just go and share one notable one. And then I want to ask you another, go on a different tack, but just share one of those stories to start with. Probably the biggest dream, Jung, Carl Jung uses the phrase big dreams I ever had, was when my husband and I were in the process of adopting our daughter from China and bringing her home. And we got in the adoption world, that's called a referral. So we got a referral. And in the referral, it said that she was about a year old. And, you know, we had been waiting. So it's a, it was practically a double pregnancy. Or so it takes about 18 months, or at least it did then, to adopt from China. And we had been hoping to have a baby who was younger, who would have spent less time in the orphanage. So she would have had you know, less of a neglected first year of her life. So we were a little nervous, a little anxious. Is this our daughter? Is this the right match for us? So we exchanged glances and he knew what I, where I was going and nodded his head. And I said to the agency worker, can I go home and dream on it tonight? <laughs> well, that's the first question that they hear people ask, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I might have been the first person who ever said that, but um, I, I will know, you know, I will dream hard on it. So she said, yes, but you have to tell me by tomorrow because, you know, there's a time crunch here and we have to really get the ball rolling. So I said, okay. So I went home and I did a process called dream incubation. And dream incubation basically means you think about a question, a dilemma, some information you need, and you spend some time writing it down in your journal. And I was, I was so glad, by the way, in your introduction, you talked about taking notes and writing things down because writing things down, A, in general, and B, especially in dream work, is the only way to really remember the specifics as well as the generalities of, of what you're hoping to understand. So in incubating a dream, I, I wrote down, uh, is basically, I think I wrote something like, is this baby, is this girl our daughter? And we had, they gave us this little, little tiny picture of how it's sort of a postage stamp. I woke up a few times in the night, didn't have a dream. And then it was like three, four in the morning. So I, I wrote again in my journal and I said, I need to know tonight and I need to know clearly and without ambiguity. So I got a little bossy with my dream muse. <laughs> there was a lot at stake. So I woke up in the morning and I had a dream and I knew exactly what it meant. Now, before I tell you the dream, all dreams are contextual. In other words, they're related to something in our life. And if we put, you know, connect the dots, we know what the context is. So here's what you need to know to know what my dream meant the same way I did immediately. So the backstory is my mother-in-law had given us a tool shed for our gardening tools about a year before. And when the guy came to put it in, it was a little too large to fit under our deck. We have a above ground deck because we're, we're on a hill. But he said, no problem. I'll just dig down and put in a foundation and it'll fit just fine. And it did. So we had our tool shed. So that's the backstory. That's the context. Here's the dream I had. The dream was we got a new tool shed. It was a little bit bigger than we expected, but it fit just fine. <laughs> oh, too rich, wonderful, how profound. Yeah. And no, no mistaking the difference, the, the, the message behind the, the dream either. I remember once one of, uh, one of Napoleon's generals had a terrible defeat and it was due to a key brigade not 
following his orders at a, a certain mm. time. And he went mm. back and said to Napoleon, you know, why didn't they follow my orders? I wrote an order that anybody could understand. Napoleon said, that's your mistake. You need to write an order that nobody can possibly misunderstand. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you asked for something that would be absolutely crystal clear to you without ambiguity. And yeah. most of the times, you know, when we have dreams, they come, you know, dripping with metaphor and symbol and, and we have to really sort of work with it and massage it and tease it to find out, you know, what it's telling us about. But I didn't have time for that this time. Yeah. You had to know and had to know right away. And that idea of dream incubation is, is powerful. And then. Like, where do you suppose this knowledge comes from? Like, Teo de Chardin talked about the psychosphere of the Earth, the noosphere, and the sum of all consciousness in the universe. And and it, there is that people talk about information fields. A lot of research shows that our brains aren't the originators of consciousness, that they're transducers of consciousness. And mm -hmm. there are all these experiments now with measuring human brain function against solar flares and huge cosmic events and finding out that they match. So how do you suppose this is all happening? So that's the million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> so Jung as well, Carl Jung, you know, talked about our collective unconscious. So because we don't know, know for sure where it all comes from, we can all hypothesize and we don't know what is the right or wrong answer. Or maybe it's D, right? All of the above. So it could be that our dreams and our visions come from this collective unconscious of the mind meld, if you will, of all of our collective collective brains and psyches on the planet. It could be that we're downloading, that we're, we're channeling something from the universe that is larger than ourselves. For people who are spiritual, that could be a, a higher power. It could be God, if you're comfortable using that word. It could be a force of the universe. And it also could be from deep inside ourselves, our own unconscious self that actually lives in every cell in our body. So we don't know things just with our brain and with our mind. We actually know things with our whole body. And when we're asleep and we relax, that waking conscious aspect of ourself, of our consciousness, then we're able to tune in and tap into the other parts of our consciousness that we call unconscious or subconscious much more easily when the, the daily sensor is, is asleep, if you will. Yeah, you know, and I, I don't, I don't, in our workshops, you ask these questions very often. People say, I've had this dream of guardian angel. I've had this vision in my mm -hmm. meditations of a higher power. Is that being real? And what I say is, that's the wrong question. The right question is, is it therapeutic? Uh, do you feel comforted? Do you, do you feel mm -hmm. illuminated mm -hmm. by that? And who cares whether it's real or not? It's just your way of tuning into that level of awareness. And then that your body is such a good guide to that. Like, does this, am I feeling resolved after I make a connection with this being. So, yeah, powerful mm -hmm. to, do, to have the body awareness. And I agree with you that is this being real is not the right question. And I would add, in addition to your very good response, that it's not a matter of objective scientific testing reality because that's just one form of real. There are lots of forms of real that we can't run through a computer yet. Yeah, and I say yet. And we can't run through a microscope yet. But nonetheless, our subjective and what Eugene Gendlin calls felt sense, our felt sense of it is real. And that's the main reality. What you feel, what you're resonating with is your reality. 
Absolutely. Yeah, the Feldsense is a wonderful, again, body-based guide. So I've done a lot of research over the years with veterans, and usually we use something called the Insomnia Severity Index. We measure them when they start working with us. They are their clinical level on that scale. After they've had six or ten sessions, usually of EFT, they're back to normal, and so we, yeah. we measure the reduction in their symptoms and measure the reduction in their insomnia. Also, that usually means a reduction in things like PTSD dreams. But what I so loved about your book was that you are we're sort of focused on making them go away. What you're saying is learn from them. Mm. Let's use these as a chance not to try and avoid them. Don't be terrified of those PTSD dreams. Go and and engage with them in all these ways you give us. And what are they trying to tell you? What's the gift within that maybe mm. very difficult experience? So it's certainly a normal and natural inclination to want to run away from something that's terrifying or to want to push it away or, or suppress it or not deal with it. And if we can find some relief from the nightmares. Um, EFT is a wonderful method. I, I'm a great big fan of it. I use it with my clients as well. However, if we're having, for your veterans, for example, or anyone else who's been through any kind of traumatic experience, if we're, if they're getting nightmares, then there are two kinds. There are the nightmares that are the actual replay of the traumatic events that happen. And many, many veterans, there's been a lot of studies done with the types of dreams that veterans have. They frequently will have replay of the war theater and then they're just sort of reliving what happened to them. Then there are the metaphor dreams where people are dreaming about being chased and there are monsters and there are floods and they're being attacked. It didn't really happen, but those dreams are the metaphor for the trauma that they went through. Either way, if our system is able to metabolize the experiences that have happened to us, if we have enough safety in our life now, if we have enough resources in our life now, if we have someone like yourself or anyone else to accompany us so we're not alone now with the traumatic experience, then our systems can do what they're built to do and metabolize the traumas. And after a few weeks or months, the nightmares will kind of diminish, fade off, get less intense, and eventually go away. However, if we don't have those resources, we get stuck on replay. Like Groundhog Day, the movie goes over and over and over again. And that's when we need some extra help and support because our system isn't able to metabolize it. It's like stuck there. So we need to find out what is it that we need to know and then do in order to resolve, come to terms with, and recognize that whatever happened to us is in the past and no longer happening, as long as that's true, of course, because there can be people who still are in unsafe situations in their life with nightmares. So that's a different, that'd be a different protocol. But to recognize the difference between then and now, and then with a variety of different tools to create the safety needed, the accompaniment needed to be able to go in and face the nightmares and the monsters and the trauma with other resources that weren't there either in the original traumatic scenes or in the nightmares. And then when we add these resources in and work with the resources with our dreams, we can create a new story of our dream and, and of our life. Yeah, and you give us lots of tools and tips to doing that in the book, and we'll cover some of them in a later segment. You're listening to High Energy Health. We'll be right back after a break. Again, my name is Dawson Church. We'll be back in a moment. And if you'd like more on Linda's work, go to her website, Linda, Yael, that's Y-A-E-L, Schiller, S-C-H-I-L-L-E-R.com. Linda, Yael, Schiller.com. I'll see you in just a moment. 
Hello and welcome back to High Energy Health. I'm your host, Dawson Church, and each week on the show, I bring you really interesting ideas from the front lines of personal growth, healing, wellness, happiness, and all the things that make a real difference in your life. Apply these things and they really will help you shift. For more on Linda's work, go to her website, lindayalshiller.com, and her new book is called PTS Dreams, all one word, PTS Dreams. It's really practical, has lots of exercises, has lots of insights. You'll find yourself having many aha moments. I've been involved in the world of PTSD treatment for 20 years, and I've been involved in the world of dream work for probably 30 years in one way or another, mostly Gestalt dream work, and I still had lots of epiphanies when I was reading the book. So mm. uh, she's a, a superb guy, and you'll enjoy learning from her. So get the book, PTS Dreams, and then look at her website as well, lindayalshula.com. Linda, so we're able in this way now to approach our dreams, to contextualize our dreams, to learn from our dreams, whether whichever of those two types they are, repeating the same thing over and over again, and that or just symbolically in some other way, you're reenacting the kinds of scenarios that, that brought you stress. So what is the first thing you do with somebody who comes to you with what's clearly PTSD appearing in their dreams? So when I'm working with someone who has, we know has a history of trauma, my approach is going to be a very slow, careful approach. And I'll drive that in one minute with the Gaia method. When I'm working with someone who's having nice dreams, pleasant dreams, interesting dreams, or even dreams that are just sort of mildly upsetting, not too, too much, we don't necessarily have to go with sort of incrementally slow and carefully because the risk of re-traumatizing someone is not there. They're having a nice dream or just a mild wildly upsetting dream. So then we can kind of poke around a little more, kind of dive in more quickly, have dialogue with the different characters, recreate scenes in the dream without doing too much preparatory work. But if I either know or suspect that someone has a history of trauma, either public trauma or private trauma, right? Public trauma is things that happen in the public eye, like your war vets, like disaster victims, like uh, violence in the streets. They happen in the public sphere. Private trauma are things that happen behind closed doors, in the privacy of people's homes, in institutions, in schools, in religious settings, where there's, in addition to the traumatic events that occur, whether it's abuse or neglect or battering or shaming or bullying, there's an extra layer there of secrecy that goes with it. And with the secrecy and the question of, will anyone believe me if I even talk about this, then we get sort of multiple layers of, of that tra of trauma, trauma response in addition to responding to what actually happened. So with either of those types of trauma, I'm going to start with the Gaia method. And Gaia stands for Guided Active Imagination Approach. And it's a method that I designed that has two pillars. And one pillar is based on Jungian active imagination work with dreams. And I'll describe in a minute what that is. And then the other pillar is best practice trauma treatment. And some of the protocol is based on my experience in working with EMDR, EFT, other types of body-mind modalities, so that we go slowly and carefully and we build in the resources that someone needs before diving head first into the belly of the beast. Because the last thing we want to do is re-traumatize someone by working with the dream more quickly than we're ready. So there are two phases in the Let me just about in here for a moment. So just quickly define re-traumatization for those who aren't familiar with it. Oh, sure. So a, a lot of people in the vernacular now, you've heard the word being triggered. 
something has happened in your life. It's not happening anymore, but there's a reminder. Something in your life happens now that either consciously or very often unconsciously reminds you in some way of the original traumatic events. And then you react as if you were still there. That's the re-traumatization. The Vietnam vet or the, the vet of any war who ducks and covers when a car backfires. That's an example of re-traumatization. The survivor of childhood sexual abuse who loves her boyfriend and enjoys making out with him, but one day they're kissing and he has beer on his breath and she has a panic attack and she's never had a panic attack before. And later she realizes, oh, this is the beer that my father drank when he assaulted me when I was a little girl. And she didn't even know it at first. Later, through working on it, she realizes this is why she had the panic attack. It wasn't kissing her boyfriend. It was the smell of the beer that brought her right back to being. So that's yeah, another yeah. So you want you, well, make sure you avoid that. That's why you approach this cautiously. Exactly. So, and with the Gaia method, and I, and I, I personally love the, the acronym, the title, because the word Gaia <laughs> is the Earth Mother, right? She's the, the queen of, of, of consciousness of our, our Earth Mother. So it's a very sort of holding uh, acronym um, for comfort, I think. So in part one, we're first doing the ingathering of resources before we start to work with the dream. If someone says, I had a nightmare, it's really scary, I'm very upset. The first thing I'm going to do is ask them if they even want to tell me the dream. Because they might just want to say, I had a dream. They don't want to talk about it. So once I've determined they do want to talk about it, I said, then I say, go ahead and tell me the dream. And I listen. And then the next question I might ask would be, and would you like to work on this dream? Because they might just want to tell me the dream. And that's as much as they could handle today. Right? We have a, there's a saying in another IFS, which is internal family systems, which is another psychotherapeutic um, modality that says we can only go as fast as the slowest part of us. So we want to really respect those slow parts and those little kid parts that are not ready to go too, too fast yet. So once we get a yes from these things, the next thing I do is I say, staying outside the dream, don't go in the dream yet. Going inside of the dream is part of the active imagination approach. But from the outside, let's first gather the resources you need to feel really safe, really protected, and able to go in the dream and confront talk to, deal with, dialogue with whoever and whatever is there that you need to find out more information from, get some understanding and bring some healing into that scenario. So I tell people they can gather anything at all. They can gather people in their lives, people who are alive, departed relatives who have passed over. They can have friends. They can have pets. They can have pets who are alive, pets who are dead. They can have spiritual beings. They can have fairy tale or storybook people. Um, a little girl that I worked with, she brought Mary Poppins in as a resource, which I thought was very clever. A gentleman that I worked with said, bring in Gandalf with me, the wizard from Lord of the Rings. So, and we get a posse, as many people as possible until they say, okay, I got enough. I feel, I feel safe and protected. So that's one step. And then we add objects. So any object like to bring in with you to your, to your dream world so when you hold or touch or wear that object you, you feel safe whether it's a, a special talisman or a piece of jewelry that you inherited from a beloved parent or invisibility cloak whatever it is bring that with you too and then i want to ask is there any spiritual protection if they haven't already named it that you need before we go into the dream so do they need to be encased in an egg or a bubble of light? And if they agree that that would be a good idea, we get just the right color, just the right shade for them. Any guardian angels, any uh, spirit guides, any totem animals. So once we've got the whole posse 
So we've now got our resources. So we've reached that stage. Please stay tuned. You're listening to High Energy Health. My guest is Linda Schiller. Her new book is called PTS Dreams. Highly recommended. We'll be right back after a short break. Hello and welcome back to High Energy Health. I'm your host, Dawson Church, and I love sharing these insights with you every week. Again, make sure you're keeping notes, you're turning this into an action plan for what you can do to help yourself and to really up-level your life. We've had lots of good ideas so far, and we're going to have more in the next segment. Also, for more about Linda's work, go to her website, which is Linda, Y-A-E-L, Schiller, S-C-H-I-L-L-E-R, Linda, Schiller.com. And for more on my new book called Bliss Brain, go to the website blissbrain.com. We've also just recently had an MRI study published, a randomized controlled trial using MRIs of the meditations in Bliss Brain, which you'll find at that same site, blissbrain.com. And the MRIs found that in just 30 days of using those meditations, there were profound structural changes happening in the brain. So change your brain, change your life, and you can do it with those free meditations at blissbrain.com. So, Linda, this is really powerful that you're giving people not just sense of protection, but layers of protection and mm-hmm. as many layers, piling them on as, as, mm-hmm. as much as possible until they feel really safe going into that dark territory of trauma. So I keep asking anything else, anything else until they say, no, I'm good. So that's one of our sort of the guidelines of doing the work. And then what's next? So next is the bridge. And so between my first book and my second book, with this method, I added the bridge. The first book is called Modern Dreamwork, and that came out a couple of years ago. And then in the last few years, then I added this bridge to the, to the Gaia method. And here we get, we take all the resources we've gathered, and now we peek inside the dream itself. We're still outside. We haven't gone in, but we look inside the dream, review the dream story and the landscape. And I ask the dreamer, is there anything in the dream that's already there? that you may have forgotten to mention or you may not have noticed the first time that's already a resource for you. So this allows them to go inside into their own soul and their own unconscious and say, oh, here are some resources I already had and may not have realized. And that's very empowering for people. So we add those resources to the posse, whatever they see or find. Maybe in the dream they see, oh, there's this woman with long gray braids sitting under the tree. Oh, I didn't notice her before. Oh, but she reminds me of a Native American wise woman. She's a resource for me. I think great. Mm. She's been part of the posse too. So then we go in the dream with all the resources, all the protection needed, and work with whatever's there. Sometimes we start with the scariest part of the dream. Sometimes we start with the least scary part of the dream. But I'll often just ask the dreamer, where would you like to start? What feels like the right place to start? And let's say in the dream, for example, there was a a large three-headed monster approaching the dreamer in the dream. And the dreamers in the dream, what he or she first did was turned and ran from that monster as fast as possible. And when they wake up, the monster is fast on their heels and they wake up with heart pounding, you know, catching their breath. And so this time I said, now that you have all these protections, would you be willing, instead of running, to stop, gather your protections, and turn and face the monster 
and see who or what this is. Why are they there? Why are they chasing you? Because before they couldn't do it, it was too terrifying. Now, with the protection, we can go into dialogue with the monster. They can have a conversation with the monster. They can find out why is the monster chasing us. And generally speaking, once we've had a conversation with whatever it is that's pursuing them, it's terrifying. We find out that the scary figure in the dream has been trying to give them some information, mm. has trying to tell them what they need to do next in their life, has been trying to actually give them some kind of a gift, whether it's something tangible or information that will allow them to deal in a deeper, more balanced way with the traumatic circumstances in their life. Wow. So again, you're actually asking what was the feared subject to give you information. Exactly. Because once you might, there's a phrase like we tend and befriend, right? So when we can tend and befriend the things that we fear, we find that they're no longer as fearful as we thought that they were. Wow. When we are othering people, we're afraid of them and they're dangerous. When we're not othering them, either in our real life, oh, excuse me, I shouldn't, that's a slip of the tongue there in our waking life. <laughs> they're very, very real in our waking life or our sleeping life. Then we can relax enough to have a conversation, find out who and why they're there, and what we can learn from them. Powerful. And then where do you go to wrap it up once you've so learned that you, informational nugget from that being? So just I'll use an example. Someone was being chased in their dream, and in the dream, they at some point get confronted by a wall, and the scary, I think it was a vampire in this dream, was chasing them, and they hit, literally, using the metaphor, but in the dream, they hit a wall, and they can't go any farther, and the vampire is just about to catch them in their waking, in their actual dream. That's where they would wake up on the verge of being devoured by the vampire. So in the dream, this time, we surrounded, the person surrounded himself with protection. He had a, a blue gold light surrounding him. And he decided in this dream that he was going to grow wings on his heels, like the winged Mercury from Greek mythology. <laughs> so this time, when the vampire was chasing him, he surrounded himself with light, he grew wings on his heels, and he flew to the top of the wall. So now he's on the top of the wall. And for some reason, with dream logic, the vampire cannot climb the wall. But from this vantage point, he's safe. And he says to the vampire, who are you? What do you want? Why are you chasing me? And the vampire responds, I am your darkest fear. I am your biggest nightmare. The dreamer says, well, that I already know. Can you be a little more specific? You've been chasing me for a long time. Why are you chasing me? He said, because throughout your history, you have been running from things that you need to face. I'm trying to tell you that you have more courage than you think you do. And here, I want to give this to you. So the vampire gave him a, a ball of some sort. I said, this is your courage ball. And he tossed it up to the dreamer on top of the wall. And the dreamer catches the ball. And it's this golden glowing orb that's his ball of courage. And as we're working with this dream, it's reminding me, my associations are to the Wizard of Oz, right? Now, the Cowardly Lion was really not afraid, but he just needed proof, right, that he had courage. And the Tin Woodsman was the most sensitive and, and heartfelt 
one of the bunch, you know, he'd cry at the drop of a hat, but he thought he didn't have a heart. Because when he was turned into a tomb man, he wasn't given a heart. So in the dream, the dreamer took this glowing orb of, of, of courage, and I asked him, now, what do you want to do with it? And he replied, I think I'm going to keep it safe in my head. So he took the courage ball and he put it in his heart. And at that moment, he just felt completely relaxed, filled with his golden light. And when he looked at the vampire now, he saw that it was just a little tiny woodland creature, not there to harm him at all. And it just kind of scampered away. Wow. Powerful. And so those two characteristics, that a gift is often exchanged and also that the feared object changes form, I think, are, are very common shifts that happen and indicate that there's been a powerful change. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after a break. My name is Dawson Church. And for more on Linda's work, go to her website, lindayalshiller.com. And her new book is called PTSD, PTSD Dreams. So please, please stay tuned. We'll be right back after a short break. Hello and welcome back to High Energy Health. Thanks for joining me. My name is Dawson Church and I'm so glad you were here for this episode. For more on my new book, Bliss Brain, go to the website blissbrain.com. There are also eight free meditations there and they really are likely to make you feel much, much better. That's what the newest neuroscience studies of those meditations shows. They literally change your brain and they do it in about four weeks. So you'll feel better. And make sure you download those meditations at thisbrain.com. For more on Linda's work, go to her website, lindayaelschiller.com. And her new book is called PTS Dreams. So P-T-S-D-R-E-A-M-S, PTS Dreams, all one word. And we've been covering uh, some of the, the ideas and concepts and techniques in the book in the last little while of our conversation together. So Linda, I love that your very first credential you present in your bio is a spiritual psychotherapist. And you talk in PTS Dreams about how the end result can be not just being okay, and not just having the trauma resolved, but that the end result of trauma actually be spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. Just share that whole idea with us here now. So in our vernacular, when words are used to describe traumatic experiences and events. People often talk about soul-shattering experiences, and that, it seems to be a very common way of describing particularly ongoing trauma or or life-threatening trauma that either is or feels life-threatening. And this has been true uh, throughout history, where in indigenous and native cultures, we talk about the soul leaving the body during traumatic events, and the job then of the the wise woman in that, or the shaman in the tribe, is soul retrieval, is to bring the soul back into the body again. And we know that one of the um, results, not the results, one of the reactions to traumatic events is also what's called dissociation. And dissociation basically is when we're in a traumatic experience where it's too much for our body and mind to hold, our mind fragments, it splits into parts so that a part of us can be safe protected, and a little bit unconscious while the rest of us is trapped in whatever the experience of being trapped in. So in dissociation, the body-mind becomes fragmented into pieces, 
And part of the healing then is to reunite and re-whole, reintegrate those fragmented self-parts. So when we are working with trauma, one of the goals is to return to a state of wholeness, return to a state of well-being. And that is our birthright. That is our legacy, our spiritual legacy, is to be whole beings. And if something has disrupted that, we want to re remember that we can return to a state of wholeness. And I separate that out to remember, is to literally to put the members, the pieces of our body back together again. So that's part of the work in the spiritual side of learning from trauma. And it's funny that you bring that up and said that was part of my bio because I was talking with another podcaster last week and she said that back in the day when she first started doing the work, she was afraid she'd get her license revoked if she used the word spiritual before psychotherapist. So she was so happy that we could use that language now. <laughs> it would be uh, accepted in the world. So I thought it was a great, a great point. I'll give you an example of a dream that in the dream itself moves us from a state of abandonment, despair, trauma, and out the other side, all in one dream. Now, it doesn't always happen this way, but in the interest of time, I'll give you one example. So I'm, I'm very fortunate that I tend not to have very many nightmares in my life. The last couple of years, there's been a lot of trauma in the world. And we talk a little bit, not too much today, but about the world's shadow. Well, there's been a lot of shadows in our life, ranging from being locked down in a pandemic for the past several years, to climate change, to violence, to governmental upheavals. There's been a lot of tough stuff. And even people who generally are pretty well-balanced, have pretty good childhoods and don't have a lot of trauma in their life, have experienced trauma in the last few years just from living in the state of the world as it is. So that's the background sort of context, if you will, um, for this dream. So I had this dream on the winter solstice of 2021. We had been in lockdown for a little bit over a year at that point. I'm doing the math right. So here's what happened. And at that point in time, December 2021, we were just starting to hear about the possibility of vaccines. They haven't, they haven't come out yet. So we're still in that very first phase of the trauma, of, excuse me, of the um, pandemic when we didn't really know what we were doing. There was a lot of guesswork. So here's the dream I had. So in the dream, I dreamt that I was a young person, about 10 years old or so, and I'm in a cell, like a jail cell. And it's very dank and kind of cold. And I'm crouched down against the wall, kind of huddled. And this is a very unusual dream for me. It's not a common theme that I've ever had. And all of a sudden, I realize out of the corner of my eye, I see a ray of light. And I turn in this cell, and I see through the bars of the window, beams of light shining through the bars of the cell. And at that point in the dream, I turn around, and I stand up. And I hold up my arms to the light. And in doing so, and in reaching my arms and, and reaching out to the light, the light picks me up, transports me out through the bars and out of the cell and into the world. And that was the dream. Wow. So powerful. And then to be able to turn away from that gloom that had been there when you were huddled against the wall and then to turn toward the light and then also... 
when we have those experiences too, they're very profoundly shifting. And I know many people when they've gone through that kind of experience that they feel empowered in a whole new way mm -hmm. because they have been huddled against the wall and then yeah. seen the possibility of redemption and change. Yeah. And the core, I think, of faith in anything, whatever your spiritual or religious background is or your atheistic background, whatever it is, anything that gives you hope and allows you to feel that there's something larger than yourself holding you up. In, in some way, um, is going to allow you then to have forward movement and spiritual growth. And whether for you it's the light, or whether it's the universe, or whether whether it's Gandalf, like the gentleman in, who I described earlier, whatever it is, then you have that with you forever. Once you've had that experience in your dream work, you get to keep that and you get to move forward toward the light, whatever that means for you in the rest of your life. And at this time of year, we, we just finished, uh, yesterday was the, was Yom Kippur, was the Day of Atonement. The last few days were the high holidays in Jewish tradition. And there are, are, are sort of three, uh, pillars that we stand on called Tikkun, Tshuva, and Bracha. And this is from Rabbi Rami Shapiro. I recently read his book. He actually writes for Health and Spirituality, the, the magazine. That is repair. We, we repair ourselves first and chuva, we return. We go back to do the healing. We go back to make amends. We go back to reconnect with people, with ourselves, with nature. And then the last thing is bracha, which means blessing. So when we can do the repair of ourselves and when we can return, then we can take the blessings that we got and bring them out to be a blessing to heal the world as well. You've certainly blessed us all today, and I just wish everyone listening a blessed life. Thank you for the huge contribution you're making. And everyone listening to us and listening to High Energy Health, thank you so much. Till next time, be healthy, be happy, and lift yourself. Be that ray of light in the world. Thanks again. Mm -hmm.